Good morning, church. Today I'll read from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who was over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of the people in this deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray, shall we, as we uh, get into the scriptures. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the way that you speak to us uh, through your word, uh, the way that you, through your word, grow us uh, and build us, each of us, up in the Lord Jesus. Uh, We do pray as we uh, look at the authority of your word that you would continue to do that great work within us and that together we would be in great encouragement to each other to bring your word to, to bear in each other's lives that we can be built up and, and firm in the Lord. Help us in that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me ask you, how do you feel when a random person you do not know knocks on your door? Do you groan? Do you pretend you're not home? Or do you welcome, in for a, welcome them in for a cup of tea? As you know, I, uh, I thoroughly uh, enjoy uh, door knocking. I love speaking to people uh, about Jesus. Uh, and I, there's this one door I'll always uh, remember. Uh, this woman who I'd actually spoken to before, uh, she didn't invite us in for a cuppa, but um, she comes out and was very, very friendly towards us, engaged in conversation openly and, and freely for, for a long time. But early on in the conversation, she mentioned that she was a, a Christian. And she said she attended the Church of the Latter-day Saints. Uh, That is the church for Mormons, in case you didn't know. And then it clicked. Ah, See, she liked to talk to door knockers because the Mormons, well, they're known for uh, sending out uh, door knockers two by two. But when it comes to conversations with, uh, with Mormons, I wonder if you've had a conversation with, with a friend or someone who's a Mormon. We can, we can get a little bit confused, can't we? Uh, they say they're Christians, and yet you can leave the conversation wondering, well, do we actually have anything in common uh, with these people? They seem to believe in a, a completely different God. 
uh, and their views of Jesus, well, they're kind of different to what we understand about Jesus and particularly what we find in the scriptures. We can be left wondering where these such big fundamental differences between, uh, between the two, are we actually united with Mormons? Are we united with every religious group just because they are religious too, even those that are radically different from us? Is it our differences is that what unites us? Well, we've been uh, working our way through the book of Ephesians uh, for the last few weeks, and we've just reached into the second half. It's a book of two halves, chapters one to three, uh, looks at the theology, looks at God the Father, what he has done for us through his Son uh, by way of the Spirit. That is the first half. And the second half, uh, some people describe it as the ethics, that is, how is it that Christians live in light of what God has done for us in that first half? Uh, And we kind of, how is it that Christians live rightly in light of what God has done for us? And and we see that in that first uh, verse there from uh, from chapter 4, verse 1. Have a look there. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Uh, The Apostle Paul, he urges them, in fact, he urges us uh, to live a life worthy of the calling we have received. And what is that calling? Well, that's what we've just seen in the first half of the book. We've been called to be part of God's great plan in summing everything together under Christ. Uh, in Christ, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We've been adopted as, as God's children, forgiven by his blood. We've been made holy and blameless. We have a sure hope of life and redemption. We've been brought from from death to life. We've been raised and seated high in the heavens with the Lord. We have been made one together, Jews and Gentiles together, equal access to God to form the church. You see, we have been called to salvation. And Paul urges us to live a life worthy of, of our calling, to live the life that is ours through Christ. Christ has done all these things for us. Well, live that life that we have now received. And that opening verse, that first verse there, it's really a great topical sentence for for the rest of the book, for the remaining chapters. And and as we'll kind of see over the, the coming weeks, we'll see what it means. What does it mean? What does it look like to live a life, to, to walk the life uh, that is ours in Christ? But here we might wonder, what is the manner, what is the, what, what is, how do you behave in a manner that is appropriate to your calling? How can we walk the walk and talk the talk of our calling? Well, we see, uh, we see that in verse 2. Have a look there. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You see, these, these behaviours here, these are, are God-like living. And notice how these behaviours focus on how well we relate to each other. Uh, and there are four, that is, how we relate to each other, that we may be united. Well, there are four qualities mentioned there from verse uh, 2. And the first one there is to be completely humble. Being humble is to recognise the worth and value of others above your own. You see, it's the opposite of pride. 
Uh, it recognises the intrinsic God-given worth of others, to recognise others as better than you and to be concerned with the needs of others rather than your own. You see, humility is essential to unity. Be completely humble and gentle. Uh, Being gentle isn't about being weak. Uh, It's the gentleness of the strong. And it's the absence of asserting your own personal rights. I demand these things. Uh, Or even for those in authority like myself, it's to use your authority with a spirit of gentleness, to be considerate of others and their needs. Be completely humble and gentle. Well, next there is be patient. God's been generously patient with us. And so we're to be patient with others. And so that will mean that we will make allowances for the shortcomings and sins of other people. We will endure the wrong that might be done to us. You see, and that's expanded in the next one there, isn't it? Bearing with one another in love. It's to bear with each other's weaknesses and failures and sin. And this kind of behaviour, it's only possible if it springs from the love of God. You see, these behaviours will help us relate well with each other and be united. But it's really important to note that this does not mean that we should let someone abuse us. It doesn't say that we need to bear with someone who is being abusive to us so that we can keep the unity. Absolutely no way. If there is any, any kind of abuse, it is right for us to seek help. It is right for us to seek for it to stop. This is not an excuse for abuse. And yet these behaviours outside of abuse will actually help us keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace, verse 3. But did you notice I actually skipped a couple of words there? We're actually to make every effort at keeping unity. We're to work hard at being united. You see, we are already united together through Christ. You see, through his death, through his blood, through his death on the cross, he brought together, he broke down a dividing wall of hostility between us, between the Jews and Gentiles. You see, we have peace together because of the blood of Christ. But we also saw uh, a few chapters ago is that, that we have peace together with God. We have peace There is this bond of peace that brings us together. And this unity, it is indestructible. It can't be destroyed because Christ is the one through his death has brought us together. And yet, you notice it it says here that we are to maintain it. We are to work at it. We are to be conscious and, and diligently work at being united. To spare no effort in working on being united together. Think, think of a family. Uh, there's a mum, a dad, and, and two kids. Uh, and they're a family. They are united, like a family is united. But over time, uh, through various circumstances, hostility, selfishness, which leads to hatred and opposition, uh, they decide as a family that they don't want to have anything to do with each other anymore. 
And so they all move to different parts of the world so they will never see each other again. In fact, they even change their name so they will never be found. They don't want to be associated at all. And yet a grandparent who looks in on this, on this devastating situation of this family, they say to themselves, well, they're still one family. They might want to avoid it, but, but they are still a family. You see, nothing can alter the unity of a, of a family, which a, a marriage and a birth imposes on a family and makes them united. But see, if we're going to speak to these, this, this divided family, separate, we're not going to talk to them and say, hey, you know what, it's indestructible. Uh, you can't destroy this family. See, that, that's not going to satisfy it, is it? Instead, we would urge them to seek peace, seek peace among them, urging them to maintain the unity of the family by means of the bond of peace, to show their unity as a family through repentance and reconciliation. You see, these are the ways that even though divided, we can work on being united. You see, for the church, our unit, we are united. We can't destroy that. But we are to work hard at continuing to be united together. Not that we should seek disunity, but make every effort to work on unity. But when it comes to unity, it doesn't mean that we are united uh, at all costs. Well, absolutely not. We need authentic Christian unity. And, and what does that look like? Well, this is where Paul goes next, our shared uh, unity. Have a look there from verse uh, 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, and through all and in all. There are a couple of things to, to, to notice here in this, this section here. The first is, did you notice all those ones? One, 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 one. Uh, these ones, these are the things that we share. These are the unity uh, of which we share, our shared unity. They're the ones in which we find unity in. The second thing to notice is just how Trinitarian it is. That is that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, each part plays its part here within here. And so we're going to look through these uh, following the, the train of thought of the Trinity. But flip, normally you think God the Father, Son, Spirit, we're going to flip it around because, well, that's the way it's in the passage. Uh, first, there's one body because there's one spirit. Now, this, the body is the church. That is the the Jews and Gentiles normally hostile together as one. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that, that binds us together. Second, there is one hope which belongs to our calling, one faith, one baptism, only because there is one Lord. You see, Jesus, he is the object of these things, faith, hope and baptism. See, we have believed and put our faith, our trust in Jesus. And baptism, well, that goes with faith. We're baptised into the faith as we become Christians. And it's also in Christ that we await with expected the hope that is ours. And thirdly, we are one family, all of us together, all of us in Christ, because there is one God the Father who reigns and rules over all. You see, these are our shared uh, unity. 
in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We're to seek unity with fellow believers as long as these Christian truths aren't compromised. You see, we can't foster unity that is pleasing to God if these key unifying doctrinal statements of teachings are denied, if they're rejected, if they're ignored. And so that means that we're not united with our Mormon friends. They believe in a completely different thing, a completely different God. We are not united with them. Nor are we united with someone who's an unbeliever, who hasn't come to personally know the, the Lord God and his reconciling work for us through his Son by the power of the Spirit. And we're not uh, united with unbelievers. You see, it is not unity at all costs that we are united regardless of our differences. No, 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 no. We are united on these ones. These are our shared unity. Well, welcome. Welcome, welcome back, everyone. Uh, from verse 1, we've seen that we've been urged to live a life worthy of our calling and to make every effort to be united in the truth of the gospel. But unity does not mean uniformity, as if we need to be boringly monotonous, the same, lifeless, colourless people, all the same. Because there's a contrast with what we've just seen in the first couple of verses there with what we see in verse 7. We have unity and we are bound together in that unity, and yet there's diversity. And it's not our diversity in our different cultures, our temperaments, our personalities. It's not that which makes us different, that makes us diverse. That is true. We are different in those means. But it's here we see it's the diversity in the gifts, the graces by which Christ has given us. Have a look there from verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. We all have a shared unity. And yet we see here um, that each one, each one of us has been given different gifts as Christ has apportioned it, distributed, uh, measured it out. That is that each gift grace that has received is different from each person. Now, we might get confused here because it uses the word uh, grace uh, here. Grace does mean uh, gift. And our understanding of grace can be salvation. Uh, that is that we've all been saved by grace, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, if you remember. This is the universal uh, grace that we have received by faith, God's undeserved kindness, his grace, his gift to us in salvation. But there's another a sense of, of grace here as well. And we see it here that Christ has given a diversity, a variety of gifts or graces to different people. And these are apportioned, they're, they're measured out to, to, to the way he's um, measured them out. And these gifts are, that you, are to be used in service of the Lord uh, to, in regards to his uh, purposes. Uh, and in verse 8, uh, it, it quotes Psalm 68 
Psalm 68. And in the psalm, uh, God, the righteous, victorious king of the entire world, he has universal power and authority. And the nations, uh, his enemies, they recognize God's authority. And the nations and the enemies, will they submit to God? And because Christ is victorious over them as a victorious king, what do they do? Will they receive gifts from from those under them? And he distributes uh, them to his people. And that is what Jesus does here. We see that in the next couple of verses, in verses 9 and 10. You see, Jesus, he descended from the heavens. He descended onto earth and he lived that, that perfect, sinless life. And yet he was humiliated, wasn't he? Crucified, died. Buried. And yet death could not hold him down. He was risen to life, defeating death once and for all. And then he, he ascended. He, he, he was exalted far above into the heavens. You see, Christ too, he is victorious over his enemies. He's victorious. He's the victorious reigning king over all. And he too gives gifts to his people. And while in other parts of the scriptures uh, we see lots of other gifts that are kind of mentioned that are gifted to the church, here we see uh, in Ephesians 4 the focus is on teaching gifts. And so have a look there from verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Jesus gave these uh, particular teaching roles for the sake of the church. And so let's uh, look at each of these in turn. First one is the apostles. The apostles were those originally sent by Jesus, who were, who were sent to, to speak about Jesus to the world around them. They were the original eyewitnesses. There's also the, the prophets. That are the prophets from the Old Testament, uh, who were God's spokesmen, uh, vehicles of God's direct revelation. And these first two, the, the prophets and the apostles, they have stopped today. We no longer get any prophets or uh, apostles these days. They were set to the period in which they spoke. But as you see, we still have their teaching. We still have full access uh, to their teaching through the Bible. We, we, we don't have any more today, but their word still has authority over us today. Well, there's the apostles and there's the, uh, um, uh, the prophets. Next, we see the, the evangelists. Uh, we are all evangelists. We all have mouths. We can all speak, declare the, the praises of Jesus, of his goodness and wonder to anyone we speak, to our neighbours, uh, to our friends, to our colleagues. We can all speak of Jesus. And yet here it seems to be talking about uh, a big E evangelists, uh, those who have greater ability than, than, than most. You see, we, we all speak of Jesus, and yet some of us will quite naturally engage in conversations with others. It'll be harder work. And for those who are more natural, these kind of evangelists, they might plant churches. Uh, they might become missionaries to, to unreached uh, people groups, those who, who speak to unbelievers about Jesus uh, as their job. There's the evangelists, and then there's the, the pastors and teachers. Now, these two are usually uh, brought together because the pastors uh, or, or the shepherds, as it's got in the uh, ESV, they attend. Their role is to look after God's flock. 
But how does one look after God's flock? Uh, By feeding the sheep, that is, uh, through teaching. You see, the evangelists and the pastor teachers, uh, these are the gifts God Christ continues to give to the church today. And they relate to the gifts of teaching uh, ministry. But do you notice why Christ gave these gifts to, to the church? Was it so that those with those, those gifts, that they do all the work? Is that what it says? Have a look there from verse 12. Christ gave these gifts to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. You see, Christ gave the church, uh, these people, those with, with teaching gifts, not so that they do all the work, but to uh, equip his people to train them, to, to prepare them, to prepare the saints, God's people, Christians, for them to do works of service to do the works of ministry and so myself as a, as a minister my role is to equip you but that's and you guys are to do the works of ministry but you know i'm to do that as well you see the recognized minister isn't the one who does all the works of ministry we see that clearly here every christian is involved we are all involved in christian ministry I read about this uh, church uh, last week and in their weekly bulletin, they kind of had the positions and titles of people within the church. Uh, And up the top, they'd have listed, say, the vicar and they'd have like Chewy Pan and the assistant, Dave Shannon. And the next line was ministers, the entire congregation. Didn't have everyone listed, you know, be a huge list. No, 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 they they just had the entire congregation. Everyone is a minister. That was a clear thing that they made at this church to make it clear. We are all ministers. We might be stunned by that. Me, a minister? But undeniably, it is a biblical uh, truth. We are all ministers. You see, just think about church uh, this morning. Heaps and heaps of people have made this happen that we can be here today. Uh, Sam has been on uh, video and audio this week with, with Meredith and Z learning how to do that as well. Why? So that you guys at home can see uh, how this happens, to see, so that you guys can see and hear as we gather. Uh, EJ is going to pray for us a bit later. Vicky just read the Bible for us. Uh, Chewy uh, le- is leading the service. Uh, Sarah is our COVID safe officer to make sure that we are being COVID safe as we are in the church building. There are people, the parish council, their job, their role is to make sure the lights are on in the church. They pay the bills. They, they make sure the administration th- things happen. All of us do various things, but together it means that we can do this together now, that we can be taught from the scriptures, from God's work. And that allows us to be built up in the Lord. You see, each one of us has a part to play in building each other up in Christ. And we will look at that um, a bit more. You see, we have all been given different gifts. My role is to help you use them so that God's people are built up in the faith, built up uh, in maturity. Have another look there from verse 12. Christ gave these people to the church to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, 
attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You see, this is our aim, that together we will grow in unity. They will grow in maturity, in faith, in knowledge of the Lord, of Christ, that we will reach the measure of his fullness, that is, that we will be fully mature in Christ. And we each have a part to play in that. You see, it's why we need those people with those gifts of, of teaching. They're there to equip us to be able to build each other up in Christ. See, we need to be equipped well, rightly, from the Scriptures so that as we are equipped, we can rightly build others up, that we can help them mature, help the right knowledge and grow. You see, why do we gather as God's people? We gather, yes, to be built up uh, in the faith, but it's actually more than that. We gather so that we individually can build others up in Christ too. That each of us will use our words to build. That each of us will use our words to, to help others mature and grow in Christ. You see, it's not just about the, the one person, me to the many, building you up. It's actually the many to the many building each other up in Christ. And we do it because of the dangers. Do you see that verse 14? Then we'll no longer be tossed, our infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. And this is a picture of the immature in the faith. And it is an alarming picture, is it not? With the waves crashing down and being blown here, there and everywhere. You see, it's the kind of person who isn't grounded in the scriptures. So that when a wrong teaching arrives on their news feed or their Facebook feed, you see, they're not grounded, they're not rooted uh, in the word. They don't, they don't dismiss it. They don't just ignore it, but they get stuck in a rabbit hole, questioning their faith, questioning this, and is it real? Is it, whoa, what about the Bible? Whoa, just kind of just, just lost. You see, I wonder if you heard about uh, uh, Kyrie Irving. Uh, he's a, an, an American uh, NBA basketball player. He was convinced recently that the world was flat, and he told everyone that the world was flat. He since realised that he was uh, wrong and he since apologised for, for, uh, for his error and recognises that the world is in fact a, a sphere. You'll be, uh, you'll be glad to know. Uh, and he blames uh, falling into a YouTube uh, rabbit hole where he watched countless videos showing uh, that the world was flat. You see, YouTube have these algorithms to make sure you just keep on watching more and more content of the same thing, and, and he believed it. But he realised he was wrong. But you see, we can do the same thing. We too might fall into a YouTube rabbit hole of heretical, false, unhelpful teaching. And yet it is responsibility of each one of us to make sure that we're not being hoodwinked being led astray by false and dodgy teaching. It's not the responsibility of me as the minister, me alone, to deal with this stuff. Actually, each one of us has a part to play. As someone raises this stuff and we kind of help them from the Scripture, go, no, 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 that's wrong, to give them confidence, to build them up in the Lord. 
And we do this verse 15 by speaking the truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Where to speak the truth in love so that we will grow, that we will be mature, built up in the faith. You see, where to speak the truth. You see, uh, where to speak the truth, and if someone's going down a path of falsity, we are to warn them. We are to lovingly warn them by speaking the truth. But we need to do it in love, not just to smack people over the head with things, but actually to lovingly care for them. And to speak to them and help them realize they're the errors they're falling into. But it's not all love and no truth either. It is to speak the truth in love. And we do it because we're a body. We're all connected to each other with Christ as our head. But with each part doing its work. Do you see that? So that together we may be built up in maturity. And what's it look like? Well, countless ways this can look. It can be seen in so many different ways. It can be coming to church, coming to the uh, discipleship team, our midweek groups, to be prepared by having already read the Bible verse, uh, the Bible passage, uh, so that you can already be formulating questions and thoughts about the passage and, and not encouraging uh, us to go off track. We can do it by uh, not just talking about news and our current affairs or the weather after church. We can do it by coming prepared to, to share a Bible verse that you've recently been encouraged with or, or as you remember a conversation you had with someone last week and, and as you read the scriptures, you saw an encouraging verse, you, you want to bring that to them the, the next week. It's to, to pray with each other after the service. You might do it by writing a letter. Remember those? writing a letter, sending a message, giving someone a call, sending an email, but mindful and intentional in seeking to build others up with God's word. Do you know I love it when this happens to me? When I send a message, uh, when I send an email in a conversation I've had with, with others where people seek to build me up in the Lord, where they remind me of passages when I'm down, when they remind me of God and his goodness, it is so encouraging. Here I am being encouraged by, by you guys, what we're meant to do to each other, not just from a, from a ministry friend, but from, from fellow ministers in the Lord, as we see here. It is so, so encouraging. We have been urged this morning uh, to live a life worthy of our calling, to live the life, to walk the walk that Christ has given us. And we do that by being united together. And we are united in our common faith in the Lord Jesus. And yet, despite our unity, we are diverse. We are different from each other. But that diversity isn't there to separate us, but actually used to build one another up in Christ. You see, we all have a part to play to speak the truth in love that we may grow that we, we may grow strong and firm and mature in the Lord Jesus, that we may stand firm in our walk with the Lord 
And we need each other to do that. We need each other. We also need the Lord's help within our lives uh, to help us do that. And so let's ask him now uh, for his help. Let's, let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this great passage. We thank you for the way that we are united. Uh, we are united in uh, God our Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. This is where our unity lies. And yet, you have, uh, Christ has gifted the church with a variety of gifts. And in our diversity, uh, we are to use them to build each other up in Christ. Father, please help us do that. Help us make the most of every opportunity as we meet with fellow believers that we can not just talk about whatever's going on, but actually that we would encourage one another from the scriptures, that we would seek to build one another up, that we would uh, yeah, be purposeful in our language, that we can help one another be mature in Christ. Father, please help us do that. So easy to get sidetracked, but please help us do that that uh, you will be growing us more mature in the Lord Jesus as we seek to grow each other. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.